You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Think of all the different ways in which we use the word see. You know, like, I see you. If you're from Avatar, it means that I recognize you, I acknowledge your presence, your being, and I see not just your presence, but I see you, the essence of your being. I love that. Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was watching Avatar, and he told me he saw me, and I thought, ooh, I like that. Uh, And Jesus, when he's talking with his disciples, he's asking them, who do the people say that I am? How do they see me? And some seem as a a prophet, a teacher, all those kind of things. And, And then he says to the disciples, but who do you see me? How do you see me? And Peter made the wonderful proclamation, you are the Christ, the Son of God, Son of the Most High God. I I just love that too. So when you look at Jesus, listen to him say, what do you see when you look at me? What do you see when you look at me? A lot of times there's pictures of Jesus. Uh, The one with Akiana uh, is one of my favorites. And, uh, and realizing when we look at Jesus, what do we see? Uh, oftentimes our pictures of Jesus is he's some kind of Caucasian, uh, hippie with some sandals and a beard. But looking at Jesus is looking beyond just his physical appearance. It's looking at his essence. Who is Jesus to you? And that's what we want to look at today. I was just running through uh, some of the surveys and, and was looking at who Jesus is, and it kind of stemmed from a a devotional that I was reading, and it was talking about all the distractions of life, but the author was talking about that there is tremendous power in a life focused singularly on Jesus and his will. Tremendous power. I thought, yeah, the problem with all the distractions is it keeps us from looking to Jesus. It keeps our eyes off of the one who is truly our our savior, our great high priest, our friend, our friend. After the resurrection, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, look at my hands and my feet. It is I, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And so when we look to Jesus, there is a physical body even his glorified body after the resurrection, prior to his ascension, his glorified resurrected body had flesh and bones. He could walk through walls, go through locked doors. It's kind of a mystery. We'll have to put that in the mystery bag. But how do you see Jesus? In Matthew 28.10, Jesus is telling how the ladies that came And he tells them, and he says, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, Galilee, and there they will see me. Sometimes if you want to see Jesus, you got to go to where Jesus says you need to go if you want to see him. Wednesday morning, 7 a.m., is a good place to come and meet and to see Jesus. I, it's one, one place that he's sure to show up. So make sure you, 
you realize that sometimes we have to be aware of how to position ourselves where we need to go to see Jesus. Now, that was a historical context where Jesus' resurrected body was there. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, as he has ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit has come, and the Holy Spirit has come to manifest the presence of Jesus. He's come to teach us and remind us all that Jesus said and did. He is the one that is kind of the spirit of Christ inside of us that allows us to see him when we'll ever, whenever we want to take a look, to take a look inside and see Jesus. I love how Putty talks about uh, Christ in you and he looks in the mirror and he says, I see you as he's looking in the mirror in the morning, shaving, and he says, I see you in there. Look in the mirror. Look for Jesus. See him beyond your eyes. Then when he ascended, Jesus said, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. Yeah, the photocopy machine kind of, it's got a crease in it today, so it looks like corning in clouds of heaven, but it's coming. I, I knew that. <laughs> so here Jesus is talking about as he ascends, when he returns on his second return, as he comes back to the earth, you'll see him in the clouds, coming in the clouds of heaven. Huh. Zacchaeus. Looking at some of the motives of why people want to see Jesus, Zacchaeus in, in Luke 19 says he wanted to see who Jesus was. He's heard about him. He heard he was in town. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he had a problem. Being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. The people were just too tall in front of him. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. There's a hunger that is kind of in us and we don't even know where it came from. It came because we were created in the image of God and we were designed for fellowship and intimacy with God. And so when Jesus, the one that brings the restoration of that intimacy comes to planet earth, there's something inside of us that draws us to him, whether we realize it or not. We want to see Jesus and Zacchaeus went ahead and climbed a tree. Others, with more of a cavalier attitude, like King Herod, he wanted to see Jesus. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see Jesus. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. Some people want to see Jesus because they want to see if he'll, he'll perform for them. What will you do? How will you razzle-dazzle us today? What is it that you want to uh, show us in the miraculous, in the supernatural? Uh, they, they want to see Jesus for that. <laughs> and Jesus says in John 39, or chapter 9, verse 39, he says, For judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And there he's talking about those who think in their religious performance, their religiousness, that they are really truly seeing, and the poor sinner who is blind as a bat, 
He's come to open their eyes so that they can see him. Jesus is amazing in that way. He gives sight to the blind. And he blinds those who say that they can see. Hmm. In John 11.40, there's this moment with Lazarus. As Lazarus is dead in the tomb and as Jesus is coming to raise Lazarus from the dead, then Jesus said, did I not tell you it that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now this is starting to take it. We, we, we talked about looking and seeing Jesus, seeing his, his physical appearance, seeing him in, in the spirit, seeing who he is, but now seeing Jesus in what manifests from the power of Jesus. Seeing Jesus as you're going through life and as you see something supernatural, something amazing, a, a healing, a freedom, an understanding, a revelation, and all of a sudden, in that moment, we see Jesus. Hmm. Then there's the Greeks, the intellectuals, the philosophers of the day, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Herod wants to see a miracle. Zacchaeus wants to see a guy that he's heard about and he's drawn to. The Greeks are coming because they want to stay on the cutting edge of current thought and want to know what Jesus has to add to the current situation culturally. And you know, there's a lot of different motives by which we look to Jesus. The ones that are looking just for intellectual stimulation, the scripture's silent. I've always been amazed as I, as I look at that passage of scripture that he never addresses the Greeks. He just goes on and prepares the disciples for his departure. He just shares about what's going to happen and never comes back. It's totally silent about the Greeks. People that are just looking at Jesus because they're intellectually curious, it's almost like they're in the control and they want to see how Jesus fits within their system instead of understanding that Jesus transcends their system and they need to see where they fit in his system. Then the last thing that I want to share with you is the disciples. Uh, here, the Lord's foretelling his death. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? He had spoken that earlier and they are trying to figure out what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about his departure. That as he goes to the cross, as he endures the passion and the suffering, they all will scatter. But on the third day, after being crucified, he would be resurrected and would show himself to them and they would see him. Now, can you imagine 
you walk with Jesus for three years, you, you hear him teach, you watch all the miracles that he performs, the healings, the deliverances, uh, the changing water into wine. You see all of that. But I think after his death and on the third day, the resurrection, as he met with them and he appeared to them, I think they saw him differently. They had saw him as, as a Messiah that was coming to overthrow the political system that was going to usher in the, the Israelites, the Jews back into a place of superiority. And he said, that's not the kingdom that, I, that I've come to bring. And now when they see him post-resurrection and he's opening the scriptures and their mind and they're starting to understand things, like the two on the road to Emmaus, and things start to become clear, they start to understand who Jesus is. They see him differently. And I want to encourage all of us, it's important that we continue to grow in how we see Jesus. Sometimes we have an encounter a special occasion where, where God comes and, and we have this connection that just revolutionizes our, our life and we think we've seen or done or experienced it all. Folks, we haven't even scratched the surface of everything that he has for us. Continue to look to Jesus. See and ask the Holy Spirit to help you see more and more who he truly is. See him from different perspectives. I love the different frame of references that we get to see Jesus. In Hebrews, finally getting to our text today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, we'll highlight this and then we'll read it in its context. But we see Jesus who is made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So going back to verse five to see the context of this verse. It's not to angels that he, was sub, that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified and it's Psalm eight, in case you wanna know where the psalmist testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything, everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that was not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. Yeah, that's the context. But we see Jesus. If we look at the circumstances of our culture and our world, we see that everything is not in subjection to the Lordship of Jesus Christ manifested in the earth yet. It will be. It's just a matter of time. But in light of that, we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. Okay, goes back to Psalm 8. Now, right now, not in the future, right now, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death 
so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. <clears throat> Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Chapter 2 of Hebrews. What an incredible passage. When it says that he was made perfect through suffering, the concept here is, is one of completion. It's not as though Jesus needed to be refined. Like Jesus still had a few rough edges and he needed to be perfected. So we had to use a little suffering to sand off the bumpy places. No, no, no. It was to bring completion. And the Lord Jesus was always about bringing completion to the earth. When he comes to John at his baptism and John says, I should be baptized by you, I, I'm unworthy to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And as he has that exchange, he says, no, we need to complete all righteousness. We need to do this. So Jesus was always about bringing completion to what the plan of the Father was. And here we find that him being made perfect through suffering was that he was going to endure the suffering of death for our behalf. It's what brought the completion. Now this morning, I'm not ready for us to go into a, a huge doctrine of salvation and, and all the atonement and propitiation and all the different kind of theological ramifications, but we know that Jesus was not going to take a shortcut. He wasn't going to bypass the suffering in that it was going to bring something of completing what needed to happen for us to be fully restored to Father God. Second, by his death, he destroyed the devil's power to enslave us by fear of death. Don't understand everything about the death of Christ breaks my heart every time I see the passion, every time we go through Good Friday services and all that he had to endure. It, it causes me to feel such a, 
a, a humility and a gratitude, but also just a, a disturbance inside my spirit as, as, I, as I don't understand what the effect of sin has caused and what the process of full reconciliation involved. But here, the author to the book of Hebrews, to the, to the Hebrew people says, it's by his death implied his resurrection that he destroys death. As he dies and on the third day rises, he is now Lord over death. What has been lost in the fall of man has now been restored in the Lordship of Jesus. And now through his death and resurrection, he has defeated the evil one from the ability to use the fear of death to manipulate us, to enslave us, to keep us in bondage. He does all of that by his death. I love that. And that he makes atonement. When he makes atonement through his death and resurrection and ascension, Jesus has provided a full restorative way by which we become one with God again, sons and daughters, fully cleansed, fully pardoned, fully delivered from the power of darkness, fully able to be embraced by Father God. (laughs) I love it. His incarnation, his sinless life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he reconciles the sinful to the sinless. He's able to take us who's unholy and bring us into the presence of the holy. And and I want to encourage us just at this point because so many times that the enemy is using this kind of thought process to make us feel unworthy of being in the presence of the Almighty or that we can't really explore the things that our spirit wants to explore because somehow we feel disqualified, unworthy, somehow less than. And the enemy's constantly reminding us of what we did on March 13. And, and he's, he's, he's always bringing to remembrance anything that will cause us to put a disqualifier on ourselves. Because the Father does not disqualify us. The Father will never disqualify us because the death and resurrection and ascension of his Son has brought a full reconciliation of his heart to our heart. Of the oneness that he has with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are now included, according to John 17, we are now included in the community of oneness with the Godhead as sons and daughters. I love that. I think it's just so amazing. The atonement is the means by which we are fully restored and reconciled to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's see Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God.
That's who we look to. That's who we fix our eyes upon. When we see Jesus, our circumstances change, at least internally, if not externally. I like it when the external happens, when he speaks to the waves and the wind and all of a sudden there's a calm and a peace. But even in the midst of a tempest, when you're looking at him, he can release a peace in the midst of chaos that the world can't do anything about. Circumstances can't steal from us. So I want us to take our communion elements Mm-hmm. And I want us to see Jesus today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will assist you as we take these elements that represents his body and his blood and help you to see him in his fullness. I pray for personal visitations from Jesus. I've read those. I've had some. I've I've never seen his face. I've seen his eyes. His eyes will undo you. But I'm looking forward to the day of seeing him face to face. And I hope it happens before I go to heaven. (laughs) The body of the Lord Jesus, he is the bread of life. Mm, He is the manna from heaven. His body is perfect and whole. And we have been grafted into his body of which he is the head. And we need to acknowledge as we receive the body of the Lord Jesus that we are part of his body. And so, Lord, we receive with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus the mysteries, the immensity of all the revelation that's, that's found in the precious blood of Jesus. It's beyond language. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us today as we look to Jesus, as we take the cup and we see sacred blood that was shed for our sins, sacred, sacred blood that brought a reconciliation with your heart I pray that you would come and give us a greater vision and revelation of the blood of Christ. We receive with thanksgiving and we drink in remembrance of him. The worship team will come and close us this morning with a wonderful song. I want to encourage you, If you want to see Jesus and you would like some help, some assistance, or you have a need of any kind, we have chairs on the side. We're practicing safe ministry. And so we'll have our masks on and we will pray for you. And we will look for the ability to see Jesus like we've never seen him before. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.